0: Welcome to the New Braunfels OPC Sermon Archive. New Braunfels OPC is a mission work of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church and desires to proclaim the life changing good news of Jesus Christ to New Braunfels and the surrounding communities. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Carl Miller. Let's listen in. Well, our sermon text this evening is from 1 John chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me there. 1 John chapter 2. This evening we will be considering verses 12 through 17. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Let's go before the Lord together once again in prayer. Father, as your word goes forth into our ears and hearts, we know that it won't return void. It will accomplish your purposes. And for this, we are thankful and ask that it would accomplish your purposes in us tonight. Teach us, mold us, grow us, we pray. In Christ's holy name, amen. So first John chapter two, beginning in verse twelve. Hear now the holy, inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of God written for you and for me today. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. My friends, as we've journeyed together through this book thus far, we've considered several tests of assurance that the Apostle John gave to encourage the believers, building their confidence in their faith, and at the same time, being crystal clear to those caught up in their religiosity but weren't really saved. We've seen how John clearly stated the component pieces of what must be present in the life of the Christian, as well as what must be absent. Now to recap, as believers, we are to have a different relationship with sin. We are to confess and repent of our sins and not walk in them. It is also true that believers have a different relationship with God. As John stated in the test of knowing him in chapter 2, verse 3, we can have confidence in our truly knowing him as we keep his commandments. And John also taught us the test of love in chapter 2, verse 7. Christians have a different relationship with God's people. We have a deep love For the brethren. And so, as we look at today's text, let's consider another test of love in which we will see that followers of Christ must have a different relationship with the world. What is your relationship with the world? We'll see in these verses the great and important contrast between what is of the world and what is of God. We will see what the nature of our relationship with the world should be. We will also see the reason for that, as well as the promise for those who do God's will. And so notice in verse 15a that John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. The Greek there, May agapate ton kosmon literally means don't delight in or be faithful to the world. Don't delight in or be faithful to the world. As there are commanded objects of our love in God and the brethren here there is also a forbidden object of our love that being the world. So what is the world? If we're not to love the world, what is the world? The world is a system of rebellion and pride that seeks to displace God and his rule. Remember what John just said. How do we know that we know him? We see the fruit of obedience in our lives. What is the evidence that we are walking in the light? We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And now notice who John addresses and what he says to them before he dives into the details of what the relationship of our love and the world should be. Go back to chapter to verse 12. In verse 12, John takes a moment and he pulls the test that he's just spoken of together for the people, applying them to their lives, applying them to our lives. He takes a moment to further encourage them regarding their assurance, to encourage them regarding the work and grace of God for and in them. Regarding verses 12 through 14, some scholars believe that though it looks like he is addressing three groups, little children, fathers, and young men, John is really addressing the whole group while characterizing them in different ways. Others believe John spoke to three different groups of people in the church according to their station in life and spiritual maturity. And I believe that John is speaking to and, and doing the latter there. In verses 12 through 14, he spoke to the little children first in verse 12 and in verse 13c. Now on the one hand, this is John's term of endearment, little children. We've seen him address the people like this before. However, when John references little children twice in these verses, in verses 12 and 13c, he uses two different Greek words, the first being the general word for children, the second being a specific reference to young children or even infants. John here spoke to those who were babes in Christ, young in the faith. And like the Apostle Paul was to Timothy, John was like a spiritual father to them. He told them that he wrote them, number one, because their sins were forgiven them for Christ's namesake, verse 12. But also in verse 13, because they had known the Father. Again, they were to be encouraged. They were to be encouraged because of the work of Christ for them. And in verse 13a and 14a, notice that he addresses fathers. He also wrote to the older mature saints because they had known him who is from the beginning. And as fathers, they were to pass the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ to the next generation. But he thirdly addressed young men in verse 13b and 14b. Because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one was the reason that John stated he wrote them. The spirit was at great work through the word in their hearts. They had decisively rejected Satan and his attempts to draw them away. And so because these things were true, because they were in Christ, John then told them in verse 15 what was of great importance regarding their love. If we truly know him, if we truly know Jesus, our love must be completely reserved for him. An implication of John's words here saying, don't love the world, is that it can be very tempting to love the world. It's appealing to our flesh. But as light bearers, as those who walk with him, we have no business giving any of our love or having any delight or faithfulness to the world. We have no business doing that. To love the world and not God, how treasonous that is. How treasonous it is to love the world and not God. It would be like being in battle and us going over to the enemy's camp and not only enjoying spending time there, but putting on their uniform. We are in the world, beloved, but we are not of the world. John 15, 18. If the world hates you, Jesus said, no, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So my friends, the world hates God, and therefore it hates us. Some think that they can have the best of both worlds. Love God and love the world. No. We must have a different relationship with the world, and notice what John also adds to that, and the things of it. Notice one might try to say, you know, I don't love the world, but I do love some of the stuff in it. I mean... It ain't that bad. In fact, it's pretty nice. I think they're okay. John says, no. Don't love the things either. So what are the things in the world? John will explain this in verse 16. We'll dive into that in a moment. But before he does, in verse 15b, notice that John goes on to make a point about this test of love. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Strong and clear words here, right? The love of the world is inconsistent with the love of God. Though one may deceive himself into thinking it is consistent, it isn't. Clearly, John is speaking of false professors here. If he loves the world, the love of the Father isn't in him. There are some who say, I love God, and yet their lives demonstrate that they are in rebellion against God. Whoever makes themselves a slave to earthly lusts cannot be of God. But remember what James said also in James chapter 4, verse 4. He used strong words, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is what? Is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Remember also Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Beloved, we must have a single focus, indeed a single person devotion. Our love must be reserved and active toward God. But notice now verse 16 that we see the reason for our different relationship with the world. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So John puts the things of this world into three categories, all of them having to do with three predominant inclinations of the depraved nature. And notice that all three of these demonstrate personal gratification and not a heart of love or obedience to God. And he begins with the lust of the flesh. The Greek word for lust here is epithumia, and it literally means desire. Now, in the scriptures, it can refer to a good desire or an evil desire, but here these lusts clearly refer to an evil desire. And so what is this lust of the flesh? It is the lust of the body, wrong desires of the heart, which in, with an appetite to excite sensual pleasures. John Calvin said, What then is the flesh there? Even the body and all that belongs to it. What then is the lust or desire of the flesh? But when worldly men seeking to live softly and delicately are intent only on their own advantages. The view of self here is huge. Self is prominent in this person's life, fulfilling only their own desires, going for their own advantage. Romans chapter 13, verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but... Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So our Lord here graciously gives us, here in Romans 13, He gives us very helpful instruction. He gives us warning. He gives us instruction as to what we should be doing. We should be walking properly as in the day. What we should not be doing, not partaking in drunkenness or lewdness or lust or envy, but then again, what we should be putting on in order that we would do that to the glory of God. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. We're not making provision for the flesh and not fulfilling its lusts. But John in chapter 2, verse 16, he goes secondly to the lust of the eyes. And this lust is covetousness, that excessive desire in wanting something that you do not have. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8b says there, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, For whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. There is no end to all his labors, do you hear those words, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. Always wanting more. Always wanting more of what you don't have. But thirdly, John brings up the pride of life. And this refers to self-exalting, vain glory, selfish ambition. The world is completely favorable to self and has no favor toward God or his glory. And so John teaches us here that we need to know the reason why our relationship with the world must be different. To know where these things belong. They are not of God. There is nothing in the world that is of God. And this is critical for us to remember and to keep in practice, especially for you young people. The world would like to convince you that it has something good to offer. It encourages you to come and to drink deeply from its well. It tries to deceive you into thinking that you can make pain and suffering go away as you indulge in the things of it. And yet, if you love God, you will desire the things that are of him. You will desire to have his peace, his comfort. You will desire to keep his commandments, and in doing so, demonstrate your love for him. And John goes on to give us another important truth about the world, and another reason to abandon it and follow hard after Christ. Verse 17a. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. So here in 16, he spoke of the lusts and the things of the world which revolved around lust and the things that we were to stay away from for they are not of God. But here, he provides another reason as to why we should follow hard after Christ, knowing about its passing. Calvin once again said, what is most precious in the world is, and deemed especially desirable is nothing but a shadowy phantom. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 31 that the form of this world is passing away. But notice John's words here, the world is passing away and the lust of it. The things of the world that ensnare and destroy have been marked for judgment and destruction. Christ said in John chapter 12, verse 33, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So Jesus gives us great hope and joy, my friends, in John sixteen thirty-three. therefore, when he says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So again, back to the business that we need to be about and back to the things that we have no business being about. Why would we, in walking faithfully with God and loving God, why would we want to partake and bathe in those things in the world that he has overcome? But notice 17b, my friends. He who does the will of God abides forever. Another contrast here. He who follows after and loves the world will perish. He who loves God and seeks to do his will will be eternally blessed. So I encourage you to to ask yourself tonight. Do I have a different relationship with the world? Or am I pretty friendly with it? What does the Lord require of you? You cannot serve two masters. You may have convinced yourself that you're okay riding a fence, having a foot in both worlds. But no, you cannot serve two masters. You are to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. His will is that you would love him with your whole heart, that you would keep his commandments, that you would love your brothers, that you would mortify your flesh, and that you would stay away from the world. We are in it, but we're not of it. We are citizens of heaven. And this passage drives home the reality and importance of the victory of Christ over the world and its impact on us and our responsibility. A mark of a true Christian is that we love him from the depths of our hearts. Yes, we are not perfect. And we sin and we fail in loving him as we should every day. That is so true. But as Christians, we love him and we desire to love him more as his spirit is at work in us. And we don't love that which he conquered. This world is a death trap. In all of its lusts. But yet God has given us a way of escape to flee from all of its temptations. God has further given us His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has not only redeemed us, He has not only saved us, He has not only forgiven us of our sins, but He has given us His Spirit indeed to bring about and to be at work in our hearts and in our lives To bring about the things which glorify him, to bring about, to flourish, to grow that love that he requires us and calls us to have. So take courage. Take courage. This world is passing away. And be encouraged of its coming destruction. in the meantime, while we are serving the Lord here, as our eyes are firmly focused on our Lord Jesus Christ, may we also be diligent and have great zeal by his grace to serve him, to walk faithfully before him, and to show our love for him, even in having a different relationship with the world. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening. We hope that you are blessed by what you heard today. To listen to more New Braunfels OPC sermons or to find more information about our church, please visit our website at www.nbopc.org.